So let me ask you a question. Who in here has had really good intentions about something and yet failed epically? Who? Anybody? Yeah, if you're watching online and that's you, everybody in here, like you know, 98% of the people raising their hand, if that's you, just type failed in the, in the chat uh, so that we can know that you're here with us and kind of connecting with us in this whole thing. But yeah, man, sometimes we have the best of intentions and yet we fall right in our face. Yeah, well, what's that, the, that thing says what the, the highway to hell is paved with good intentions? And it's so very true, so very true. A lot of times we mean well, we just don't execute very well. Let me tell you about one of the most epic failures that I had in my entire ministry career. You know, I've, I've done a lot of things. I mean, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God set me free from the chains of addiction. Uh, God changed my life from that of a sinner to that of a saved child of God. You know, I, I've been with my wife for this 21 years this year. Somebody say amen. Uh, we're raising five kids, man. I coach high school football. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. Um, the hardest thing that I do is pastor a church. It is. It's also the most rewarding, but it's the hardest thing. It's hard. It just is. Um, you know, because everything in our world goes against it. Like, like everything in our world wants to tear down what the Lord is trying to build through us. And, and you know, and I would, I would dare say that if you're, if you're doing it well, that, that being a Christian is the hardest thing that you do in your life. I, I mean, it is. You know, following the Word of God and being who God's called you to be is the hardest thing uh, that, that, that there is to do, period. I mean, not just being a pastor, but being a disciple. I mean, let's just put it like that. You know, being a disciple is the hardest thing that we have to do in our life. And a lot of times we fail epically. But there's grace. Thank God for grace. Now, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Only grace, right? Only grace. And yet, we strive, right? We strive to be the best we can be. So when we, we were... Um, I'm going to tell two stories about the convention center today. But we were, we were at the convention center still. And um, there were some, there, there was, there was a, a couple people that were coming together and uh, were, were acting what many would consider very inappropriately in the church service. And, um, you know, they've been coming for, for a few weeks and, you know, several people brought it my, to my attention. and like, Pastor, you're going to have to address this because they're doing things during the church service that people ought not to be doing during the church service. And uh, you're going to have to say something. And um, I was like, man, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it needs to be addressed. And, and at the same time, um, we, we've stated that we are a church that goes after the one, right? We've stated that we're a church that, that everybody is welcome to come to, regardless of where they're starting at. We don't want them to finish there, but, but they're, that they're welcome. And, and yet, at the same time, it, was, it got to be a pretty big deal, and so I decided to address it. And uh, so the next Sunday, I, I seen, you know, one of those folks there, and I was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And, and the person was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, well, where's, you know, the other one? Where's your, where's your buddy? And, and they were like, well, they're not here today. And I was like, okay, well, can I still chat with you for a second? And they were like, sure. And so me and Angela, you know, kind of told them, hey, so kind of the, some of the things you've been doing during the service, it's, it's not probably what we would expect from Christian behavior, and so it's you know, kind of distracting to the rest of the folks, and, and so we just wanted to, you know, not a huge deal, we're not running y'all for anything like that, but, you know, if you could just kind of refrain from some of that stuff, it would be cool, and uh, so this person immediately just began sobbing, I mean, just sobbing, uh, uncontrollably, and I was like, because it really, we, we really weren't mean, and we did not present it as being a big deal at all, and I was like, are, are you okay? And so this person begins to tell me that their friend that usually comes with them is not with them because they went back out on drugs and they don't know where they are. And they're liable to be in an alley somewhere. And she's afraid they might be dead and, and has no idea, you know, where this person is. And they came here to the church service to try to find some peace. 
and to try to find some love and that maybe we would pray for this other person, you know, that they love dearly that is gone and missing and on dope again. And here I am condemning them and, and talking about their behaviors and, and not, you know, leading them towards the direction that they needed to go in that moment at all, at all, at all. Epic failure. Epic failure. Reason being is these people didn't know the Lord. You hear what I'm saying? They, did, they didn't know the Lord. They were looking for something. They were looking. They were seeking. And you know what? Because of my epic failure, they sure didn't find it where I was. Judge the situation correctly. Not that at some point that situation wouldn't have needed to be addressed. But you've got to look at what's going on with somebody's soul before you can even think about what's going on with their actions. Can you say amen? And even though I have reached out to these people over and over and over again, they have never let me back into their lives. Never. To this day, and that's been five years ago. Never. I dropped the ball big time because I was looking at the outside. I was looking at the outside. And I forgot in those moments that my God doesn't look at outward appearances, that he is worried solely about what is going on in the heart. And that when we allow him into the heart, that he'll take care of everything else. Can you say amen? If you would pray with me today. God, we come to you today praising your holy name. Worshiping you in the spirit and in the truth. And knowing that if we will take consideration for where people are and just introduce you to them then you will do what needs to be done. And you will show them the path that needs to be walked. Because God, I can't fix it anyway. But I know somebody that can. So let the name of Jesus be ever on our lips. Let the name of Jesus be ever in our relationships. Let the name of Jesus be how we discipline and how we exhort. Let the name of Jesus be how we do every single thing in our whole lives. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen and amen. Can you give him a shout of praise today? I'm just saying. Would you stand with me as I read this scripture? Woo! Matthew chapter 7. Maybe the most quoted scripture in our entire society today. And let me tell you, both sides are wrong. Matthew 7, chapter 1, or Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. The Bible says, do not judge or you too shall be judged. We just stop there, right? <laughs> do not judge so that you won't be judged. Okay, I can do that. I'll just let it go. Ah. <laughs> For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others. And you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't take notice of the beam of wood that's in your own eye? Yeah, my buddy posted on Facebook the other day, he had a two-by-four in his, and I was like, I think mine's a four-by-four four post. Maybe a railroad tie. 
Something like that. What's a really big piece of wood, carpenter? Yeah, any of that stuff, right? A, yeah, a floor joist. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. <laughs> Nobody comes to church because it's full of hypocrites, right? They're right, it is. It is. But that's like saying don't go to the gym because there's out of shape people there. I don't go to that gym. People in there are sweating. First, take the beam of wood out of your own eye. Woo! And then you will see clearly. I see clearly now. The beam is gone. You'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Mm. Oh, y'all can be seated, man. Just sit down. There's no epic end to that. That's just where it ends. That's just where it ends. We're not going to clap for that or nothing. It's just, that's it. That's just it. It starts out strong. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Unless, unless, now let me be very clear. Do not judge does not mean do not discern. You hear what I'm saying? Do not judge does not mean turn a blind eye. Do not judge does not mean do not hold accountable. But what scripture does mean is that there's a standard that we have to be held to and that, there's, that there is a standard that we have to hold others to. But guess what, church? You don't get to draw that line. It's not based on your opinion. It's not based on your tradition. It's not, it sure ain't based on the culture that we live in. There is a standard. There is one that we must be held to. One that we must strive to hold others to. And that standard is laid out for us quite beautifully, I must add, right here in the Word of God. See, this is the standard. And if we're trying to hold others to a standard that doesn't show up in this book, we're in sin. And if we're trying to hold ourselves even, or if other people are trying to hold us to a standard that does not appear in this book, that's sin. It's sin. The only standard that we need to adhere to is the one that is laid down in the pages of God's holy scripture. Trust me, that's enough. So as you've heard me say, until I'm blue in the face like a broken record, don't take anything away from what's in here, and sure don't add anything to it. This is the standard. This is the line. This is what we'll be held accountable for. When we stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask you if you held up to other people's opinions. He's not going to ask you if you held up to a tradition that was hung on somebody's wall. He's going to ask you, did you do what my son bid you to do? Can you say amen? That's it. It's the only one. It's the only one. So by the same standard that we hold others to is the standard that we're going to be held to. And so the standard that I want to hold others to is this word of God. Because church, that's the standard that I want to be held to, is this word of God. And so that means a few things. It means that we can't judge others superficially. In the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Bible says this, people look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. If the Lord doesn't make his judgments on by what people look like, then why in the world would you ever do that? 
If the Lord doesn't make his judgments on what people sound like or what they smell like or what color they are or where they come from, then why in the world would you do that? You think that your eyes see more clearly than his do? Do, do, do we think that our ears hear more, more you know, pristinely than his do? Do we think that our olfactory nerves can pick on, on some scent that he ain't picked up on yet? Why in the world would we think that we can judge by what we see and what we hear when that's not what God does? Why would we not live as he lives and do as he does and be as he is? Because God knows that what's on the outside is not always indicative of what's on the inside. Look at Jesus. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, the Bible says this. He wasn't nothing to look at. That's a paraphrase. That's from the Paul Revised Version. That's from, yeah, that's from the PRV. But that's what it says. It says that he was nothing astounding so that we would desire him. That, that he didn't look appealing so that we'd be drawn to him. Aesthetically, he wasn't anybody special. I, I, I like in that, that video series, The Chosen, when... Uh, when, when Mary is talking to the lady at the, at the party in Canaan that they're going to have, and they're like, I bet he's handsome. And Mary's like, nah. Nah. But that's a reference to this scripture. He, 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 wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't look like what we picture a divine being looked like. He was just a normal guy. He was average height for a Middle Eastern man. He was average looks for a Middle Eastern man. He didn't look like anything special, and yet within him was everything. In him was the kind of love that we can't even imagine. In him was, was the breath of all creation. In him was a power the likes of which this world can't even fathom. And yet on the outside, he looked just like everybody else. You know, we were, we were at the convention center one day, still sitting up church. Man, we used to work hard before church started. You missed out on all that, brother. Yeah, yeah. He, he came to a night of worship one there, night there one time. We had everything set up for him. He just came in and led us to the throne room of the Lord and left. But we used to work hard in there. Larry Sexton would be measuring the chairs and stuff, making sure they was lined up right, being like, we're going to have to redo all of these. <laughs> but, man, we used to work hard. We used to come in there, set up all the chairs, set up all the tables, set up the stages, roll in all the sound equipment out of a trailer, set up every one of the speakers, set up the soundboard, run all these cables, and do it all. I mean, we got there early, and we did it all. I mean, then after service was done, we tore it all back down. I mean, a bunch of y'all are nodding your heads like, yeah, I remember but yeah, we had some of the coolest times we ever had doing that stuff, man. It was awesome. But one day I was in there and I would just work like everybody else, man. I was in there plugging some stuff up and hooking some stuff up and doing what I was supposed to do. And uh, somebody, a really well-dressed man came in the front door and, and I, I could hear them talking. I was sitting at the coffee bar and I could hear him talking. He was like, I need to see the pastor. He was talking to Matt Armstrong and Matt was like, all right, I'll get him, you know. Matt came over, he's like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. And I was like, okay. So I walked up there, and I was like, what can I do for you, sir? And he said, no, I need to see the pastor. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm the pastor. And he was like, no, the other pastor. Like, I need to see the senior pastor. And I was like, okay. So I went and got Billy. <laughs> I was like, hey, Billy, go see what this feller wants. You know, and he went up there, and Billy satisfied him. He was okay with Billy. He wasn't okay with me. He was okay with Billy. You know, Billy looked more pastoral than I did, which is okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, and I don't even know what they talked about. But anyway, yeah, I don't know what they talked about. But, but that fellow stayed for service, though. So Billy satisfied him. He stayed for service. And uh, 
then after church was over, he came back up to me and he was like, son, I'm sorry. And I was like, for what? And he said, well, I judged you by what you looked like. And he said, and, and you know, what I just heard was one of the best exhibitions of scripture that I've heard in a long time. And he said, I just wanted to apologize to you. And I said, well, I received that, man. Praise God. So here's the deal. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what's going on in somebody's life, man. We can't judge superficially. We, we don't know. I mean, we look at the outside and we, we might see things. And, and, and we always see from our own perspective. And really, we see through a filter that is caused by our own life experiences anyway. And so we can't trust in that, man. We can't trust in that. You know what we can trust in? We can trust in this right here. And if we're doing anything that's outside of what it says in this right here, then we're doing it wrong. And that's the bottom line. You know, I like to go to what Reverend Dr. King said, that, that, that he wished for a world where we could judge people by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And I think that that goes across every barrier and every border that we could ever imagine in our lives, that we could judge people by the content of their character and nothing else. Uh-oh. Did Dr. King say we ought to be judging people? He did. Uh, that'll come up later. But here's what we can't do. We can't hold other people to a standard that we consistently break. You know, the Bible clearly says, whatever standard that you judge others by is the same standard that you yourself are going to be judged by. We can't judge hypocritically. We can't be a bunch of hypocrites. Nobody, nothing is going to run people out of church faster, like I said at the beginning of this service. Nothing is going to run people out of this church faster than a hypocritical judgment that we cast on somebody. So, man, we, we just can't do that. We just can't do that. I mean, I mean, that whole part about picking that speck out of somebody else's eye when we got a big old beam of wood in ours. I mean, that, that part about don't judge is so very true. So very true. Man, man, the, the Bible is not a pair of binoculars. It's a mirror. Can you say amen? It's not a pair of binoculars that we use to stare into somebody else's life. The, the, the Bible is a mirror that we use to look into our own lives. I know of a situation where somebody was fired for looking at pornography by a person that was involved in an extramarital affair. I know of a story where a person was kicked out of the house for using drugs by the person that got them addicted to drugs in the first place. I know of a story of a person that condemned every child molester to hell while they were abusing their own child. Do you hear me? The level of hypocrisy is out of this world in this country. Out of this world. Man, we can't hold others accountable to a law that we consistently break. We can't do it. We can't do it. So before we start looking into somebody else's life to see what they could do better, why don't we look right here? Why don't we look right here? And so when that judgment starts welling up in us, and we want to hurl it at somebody, why don't we see what God's trying to show us about us? Because oftentimes your harshest judgment will reveal your biggest weakness. We need to use the Bible as what it was intended to be used as. As a mirror to diagnose what's going on in our life. And then as a surgical tool to remove it. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, we said yesterday at the unit event, the word of God is sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. 
That was just preachers talking over on the side. That it would be used to cut out the bad pieces of our heart so that he can make it into something new. Because that's what my God does. That's what my God does. Peter made it really clear in the book of Acts in chapter 15, the, the Council of Jerusalem, one of my favorite pieces of Scripture. And, and Peter says this, Now then, why do you test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No. We believe that it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Do you realize what a powerful statement that is? He was saying your entire religious system is now a waste of time. Everything that you've ever done in your life that you've relied on to make you holy, that wasn't the point of any of this. The entire point of everything since the beginning has just been Jesus. And he's more. The whole book of Hebrews is just about that, right? It's just about how Jesus is greater than. The whole Bible, really, is just about how Jesus is greater than. He's greater than anything, and it's by his grace that we're saved. And as we look at the world around us today, we see a bunch of people that, that either are saved by grace just like we are or have the exact same opportunity to be saved by grace just like we were. Can you say amen? And that brings me to my next point. And this is where non-Christians get it right and Christians get it wrong. When a non-Christian says to you, you can't judge me. When a non-Christian says to you, don't judge me. When a non-Christian says to you, only God can judge me, they are correct. We have no business judging the unsaved. We have no business judging the non-spirit field. We have no business judging the non-redeemed. Let me make it real simple to you. We can't hold the dead to a living standard. Can you say amen? We can't. We can't. The Bible makes it really clear. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says this. What business is it of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside? <laughs> we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. I told my son over the summer, look, look. I had to get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. I'm 43 years old. It's just a thing. But so I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, right? And I'm, I'm struggling to the bathroom, trying to stay asleep. You know, you ever struggle to the bathroom, you're trying to stay asleep? You know, I'm trying to keep my eyes closed and not turn on any lights so that I can go back to sleep. And I'll be darned if I don't run into the biggest roadblock that I've ever run into in my life. He's six foot tall, weighs 230 pounds. He about knocked me down. And I was like, what are you doing? It's 4.15 in the morning. I'm playing modern warfare. Go to bed. What do you mean? Summer. Go to bed. We're not staying up till 5 o'clock in the morning here. But, but all my friends get to stay up till 5 o'clock in the morning. 
I was like, well, your friends don't live at my house unless they do. And then they have to go to bed too. You're going to bed. <laughs> You're going to bed. I said, look, they're not in my family, so I don't get to make rules for them. They're not living in my house, so I don't get to make rules for them. But you know who I do get to make rules for? You. Now go to bed. Finally went to bed. But here's my point. I don't get to make rules for anybody else. I get to make rules for him. And he's going to do what I tell him to do. And it's my job to judge him and hold him accountable to the standard that I have laid down. We'll get to that other part later. But I got no business holding people accountable that outside of my house to my rules. I can't do that. So we as, as the church have no business holding non-Christians accountable to Christian rules. Like I said, we cannot hold the dead to a living standard. Do you know why though really? Do you know why? Because they're already judged. If you don't know Jesus as your living Savior... The wrath of God is upon you. And I hate to put it like that, but that's just it. Like, like, like the wrath of God. Do you understand? If you don't know Jesus is your Savior, the wrath of God is pointed at you. And there's nothing that I as a human being can ever do to make that any worse. There's, I mean, I might as well just keep my pathetic human judgments to myself because there's nothing that I can do to add to that condemnation. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, you're condemned to hell, and that's just the way that it is. And there's nothing I can do to add to that, and why would I want to? Man, why would I ever want to add to that, man? That's crazy. It's crazy. So instead of adding our flawed, messed-up human judgments onto somebody that's already under the wrath of God, why don't we instead... Introduce them to somebody that can remove every bit of that judgment from them. And instead of casting judgment on people, why don't we, in, instead of judging them away from church, why don't we just love them to Jesus? Can somebody say amen and give him praise for that? Yes. Instead of judging them away from church, let's just love them to Jesus. Let's love them to Jesus. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You know, you know a lot of people say that they want to go after the one. And then when they catch one, they realize that the one's been out there for a while. And they ain't been cleaned up like the 99 have. They don't look like the 99. They don't smell like the 99. They don't talk like the 99. They don't behave like the 99. That's why they was out there in the first place. And yet the Bible says that Jesus put a clothespin on his nose because they stunk. And he averted his eyes because they was ugly. No, it doesn't say any of that. It says he lifts them up on his shoulder with great joy. With great joy and carries them home. A lot of people think that they want to find the one until they do. And I pray that we are never that church. I pray that we celebrate every single one that straggles in here, every single one that we find out there in the highways, in the hedges, in the wilderness, or wherever it is that we go. And we do just like Jesus, and we celebrate them. And we celebrate them. All right, this is where this sermon gets tough. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
if you will. Verse 12. For what business is it of mine to, out, to judge outsiders? But don't you judge those that are inside? I mean, don't you? Let's go back to this original scripture that we were preaching on to start with. Do not judge lest ye be judged by the same standard. When I stepped into the role as Christian, not pastor, Christian. When I stepped into the role of Christian, I'm inviting myself to be held to a certain standard. I'm inviting myself to be held to a certain standard. Not only that, I'm inviting my brothers and sisters to hold me to a certain standard. I'm asking to be judged. So I'm asking you today, judge me. But keep your opinions to yourself. Judge me. But you can take your traditions and do something unsavory with them. Judge me. But not by the culture. Judge me, but judge me by the word of the living God and the word of the living God alone. Because I can promise you, I'm going to hold you to the same standard. Because that's how we get sharp. That's how we get sharp. That's how we get molded and shaped. If there's never any friction, we're not ever going to get any sharper. And so we have to be held to a certain standard. And so we're called to judge. But when we become a Christian, all of a sudden, get this, the opinions of people don't matter anymore. When we become a Christian, all of a sudden, the traditions of men don't matter anymore. All of a sudden, when we become a Christian, the culture that we live in doesn't matter anymore. We're held accountable to one standard and one standard only. And it's his life. It's his death. It's his words and it's his deeds. And if you all, if you all love me at all, then hold me to that standard because I want to be just like him. I want to be just like him. But you know what else I want? I want you to be just like him. And, and so I, I, I have to ask you this, man. Don't get mad when somebody judges you according to this standard. We as Christians should never say to another brother, as long as they're biblically sound and doing it in love, those words should never come out of our mouth. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. When you surrendered your life to Christ, you have invited yourself to be held accountable to what's in this word. Or at least you should. Yeah, I just judged you. That's right. That's right. If you call yourself a Christian, but you haven't invited yourself to be held accountable to this word, you're not doing a very good job. You're not. And, and that goes for me too, because there's been times when I've been just like that. We have every right to judge according to the fruit that's, that's born. Every right. Matter of fact, we must. I had a brother that asked me the other day. He said, 
man, we have a, we have a dearly loved brother who's trapped in some sin. Should I confront him? And I said, you have to. I said, if you love him, you have to. Because that's what we're called to do. And if we don't, who's going to? If we don't, who's going to? Man, if I see somebody that has slipped back down that path into addiction and I see them high out at the whatever, if I don't say something to them, who's going to? Who's going to? Man, if I see somebody online saying some kind of crazy garbage and cussing somebody out, man, if I don't say something to them, who's going to? If I see somebody out, you know, doing whatever that they're not supposed to be doing, if they're a brother or sister in the Lord, a spirit-filled, born-again believer in Christ, man, I must, I must say something to them. Now, I have to do it in love. Because if you do it out of spite or out of pride, you're in a whole different bunch of another sin. And you ain't got no business doing nothing. You just go ahead and deal with that big beam that you got. But if it's in love, if you can see clearly, if you can see clearly, especially if that same beam got plucked out of your eye, and you know what it feels like. You know, like I, I said this about six months ago or something, I'll say it again. If you're high, I know. I'm just saying, you might think that I don't know, but I do. And I may not say something the first time, but I'm just saying, I know. And, and I see this post on the Facebook sometimes that'll say, you might fool the pastor, but you can't fool God. And I always post, you probably can't fool the pastor either. I'm just saying, I know. And, and I might not confront you the first time, but I'm praying for you extra hard. I just want you to know that because I love you. Because I love you and I must. And like I said, I may not have said nothing yet, but I will. Because God will give that opportunity. And I know for some of the rest of it that have been in, in certain situations that we know what that situation is all about. And so we see, when we see a brother or sister that has slid into that situation, we know exactly what it feels like. We know exactly what it looks like, what it smells like, what it is. But here's the blessed thing. Those of us that have been set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, we know the way out. We know the way out. And so it's our obligation as believers to judge that situation accordingly and then to act on it accordingly. It's our job. We can't just let it slide. Because if we do... Guess who's in sin then? I am. Because the book of James says if you know what you ought to do and you don't do it, then you're in sin. And so now they're in sin. So am I. And sin gets multiplied across the earth. But you know what's beautiful about God? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Where sin multiplies, grace multiplies more. Where sin kills, grace brings to life. Can somebody say amen? Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Come on, guys. So what I'm saying is, hold me accountable to what's in this book if you love me. And I'm going to hold you accountable to what's in this book because I love you. Because I love you. Because I love you. Because just like iron sharpens iron, our lives sharpen each other. 
Our lives sharpen each other. Our lives mold each other. Our lives lead each other. And so, when we take on the role as Christian, when we proclaim that Jesus is our Savior, when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, we might as well have gotten a big sign that says, Judge me. Judge me. But not by your opinion, because it don't matter. And not by your tradition, because it was built by men. And not by the culture because it's ever changing and ever more broken. Judge me by what it says in the word of the living God and that alone, that alone. And let's be made into the likeness of the Son of God together, together. You know, yesterday we, we came together unified, 10 different churches of all different denominations of colors and areas and all kinds of things. United by one thing, the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, which unites us all, which unifies us all. So if, you, if you're not a Christian, if, if you're not a Christian, if you're watching online, if you're not a Christian, if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I don't judge you. I don't judge you. Look, I don't judge you because of your lack of belief. I don't, I don't judge you because of your addictions. I don't judge you because of your record. I don't judge you because of any of your you know, sins that you're wrapped up in. Man, I don't judge you. I don't. I love you. I love you. If you don't know the Lord, I love you. And I want you to know today that he does too. That he does too. But I love you enough and he loves you enough to win that I have to share this scripture with you. And, and I just want you to know, like, when you say, don't judge me, you're right. When, when Tupac said only God can judge me, he was right. He was right. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? I mean, y'all could all recite it with me, most of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes right after that. It's in John 3 and 17, and the Bible says this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. But then right after it is one of the most terrifying verses in all the Bible. John 3 and 18 says this. Whosoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so, at that point, there's no judgment that I can ever lump on you that means anything. 
There's no stone that anybody in the world could ever cast at you that means anything. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, you are condemned. But I want you to know today that Jesus didn't come to condemn. Jesus came to save. Jesus didn't come to lump judgment on you. Jesus came to take all that judgment on himself. On himself. He came innocent to take all that judgment, all that condemnation on himself for you. He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. But to save it. And man, once you make that decision to believe that he is who he says he is, to trust that he'll do what he said he's going to do, and to surrender your life to him, all that judgment gets removed. Gets removed. And yeah, we can still sharpen each other based on the word of God, but all those opinions of people don't count for anything anymore because you have an identity in Christ. All those man-made traditions that people try to get you to bow down to, they have no power over you because you have power in Christ. And what the culture thinks of you, what the, what the society thinks of you, what the world thinks of you, means less than nothing because you become famous in heaven and all the angels shout your name and they celebrate like never before don't you want that today and don't you want all that judgment all that shame all that guilt all that pain lifted off you today it's available to you it's available to you in Jesus because my Bible says in Romans 8 and 1 that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Listen, if he saved me, I know that he can save you.